iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. This week we have a great show for you, which we will get to very shortly. But first, I have a quick story to share. So San Francisco, it's a beautiful place. It is also a living, breathing, often infuriating cliche. And the other day, I just had this one small moment, a vignette, if you will, that kind of sums that up. So part one, I had agreed to meet a guy who runs a cannabis startup. This was for work, networking, etc. So we met at a bar uh, just to hear about his business, etc. I had a drink. He had weed. He had a lot of weed, which I guess it's not surprising. So actually, he didn't have weed. He had all these various little pens and cartridges and devices that companies like his have begun inventing, all these ingenious new ways to ingest and otherwise consume weed and weed-based products since California legalized cannabis back in January. So it's actually fascinating, really, uh, hearing him explain how this black market industry has suddenly been legitimized and the absolute gold rush that has broken out to take advantage of it. So after an interesting conversation, I walked out of the bar a little bit tipsy and with a backpack full of contraband, he gave me a bunch of samples to take home, which was very generous. Anyhow, so I hopped on my bike just a couple hundred yards after I bid my new weed friend farewell. I see a guy getting out of his Tesla Model S which was matte black with tinted windows and a personalized license plate that spelled out blockchain. And the best part, he was running in to get an acybol at this place that I know charges like 15 bucks for a bunch of fruit and granola drowned in acai goop. Anyway, I had to laugh. No one else could I imagine that I'd have that same series of experiences in the same month, let alone the same afternoon. But just know that if you watch the series Silicon Valley, that's a comedy, yes, but it is also a documentary. This place is truly ridiculous. But I digress, and I feel good, and I'm ready to get to today's show. So let's do it. Yo, technology, what is it all about? There's a lot of people who went, well this is slightly delusional and you guys must be mad if you think this is going to get adopted. To be honest, five years on, if people haven't heard of us, we get the same initial set of reactions. This week on Danny in the Valley, we have Chris Sheldrick, who's the founder of What Three Words, a company that you may or may not have heard of, but they have quite an interesting idea. They have divided the entire planet into 10 foot by 10 foot squares and named each of them with a unique three-word combination. 
So his plan is to basically replace all of the address systems around the world, the entire planet, with one new kind of weird system. So for example, my address is 3342 Divisadero Street, but under his system, it is Dome Curve Sake. It sounds totally off the wall, and it may be. But what three words has raised $50 million in venture capital from backers like Daimler, which is the owner of Mercedes, Intel Capital, and others. And as I mentioned a couple weeks back, I was in London for Founders Forum, so while I was in town, I took the bus over to what three words is new HQ in West London so that I could get a better handle on what exactly the big idea is. So Chris and I spoke about how he came up with the concept, where it's being used today, what the killer app is for his three-word addresses, and how none of it would have happened if Chris did not have a serious accident while sleepwalking. It's a true story, but I will let him tell it. So, without further ado, here's Chris. We wanted to give a everyone a really simple way to talk about locations. So, for all the countries with address systems that don't exist and for all those parts of the world where you put an address and it doesn't take you to the right place so we divided the world into three meter by three meter squares and you've got 57 trillion of those around the world and we named each one with three words from the dictionary so something like table chair spoon is the name of one of our squares right so just to interrupt you your address is filled count soap that's right, filled count soap. There's only one of those in the world, and that's here in London, and that's the front door of our office. And now that we're upstairs in another room, and there will be somewhere else. That's right, yeah. Every three meters, literally. Why do we need this? Because addresses were invented a long time ago, like in the 19th century, for a very different reason. And it's now 2018, and we're using them to put into our devices for navigation but you can't navigate to an area, which is someone's property. You can't use an address to say, well, I want the back door, not the front door. And for all of those countries that never build an address system, it's really inefficient to say, I live by the gas station on the left near the fourth lamppost. You could say table chair spoon. Just say table chair spoon, but it's needed for all of the things that we do now with smartphones to order on e-commerce sites, to order a taxi somewhere. We need a global, simple system. Why the three words? There's 57, is it 57 trillion? Yeah. Like basically boxes that the world has been divided up into. So you also have the ocean. Mm-hmm. So how many words do you have like in your kind of dictionary? So we use 38,000 words, give or take. And that is enough that when you cube it, you get to the 57 trillion number. And the reason we use three words is is literally because it's it's easier than using 16 digits of latitude and longitude. Nobody can remember 16 numbers if I reel them off to you. Or you could use an alphanumeric code of 9 or 10 characters, but again, people can't remember that. So we're just exploiting the fact that the human brain can easily recall three words, yet there's enough combinations to go around the whole world. But of course, with 38,000 words, we don't know all of those. So what we do is we put the really uncommon words in the ocean. Well, we basically have no uses, but at least you know you could use it if you wanted. And then in London, you're more likely to find table, chair, spoon. In a forest in Namibia, 
you're more likely to find octopuses, pyramids, hydraulics. So we kind of optimize where the words go. By the way, I think there may be no forests in Namibia, but uh, you, you, you understand what I mean. <laughs> right. But isn't what you're doing quite difficult insofar as that, say, here we are in London or where I live in San Francisco. Everybody has an address. Everybody understands that system. Everybody uses that system. And you're effectively asking a lot of people, at least in the, the developing world where there are address systems, to kind of reinvent the wheel, no? I don't think it's, it's reinventing the wheel because there's a tension point now, which is that the consumer is just really annoyed if things don't go right. So when these apps first came out, fine, we were kind of okay if people took us around the corner and we went, oh, well, it's just tech not being... Are you talking about like ride sharing or Yeah, I'm talking about ride sharing, but you know, people went, well, it's cool because my Uber exists at all, which is great. I can cope with it getting lost a bit and not taking me to the right place. But now everyone's in a new mindset, which is, well, I should just be able to get to exactly the right place and not have this hassle. And as you think, if cars are becoming more autonomous, which they are, it's going to stop somewhere where you tell it where to go. And the driver is not going to do that bit we do now, which is kind of, oh, I want to dare, I'll just reverse around the corner. You won't be able to do that. So if that car's just going to stop, it needs to stop in the right place. All of the services that we're now doing demand a more accurate system. I mean, think about Amazon Alexa, powered devices or any voice assistant. If I'm going to talk to that, I can't just say, take me to Victoria Road in London. There's 34 Victoria Roads. So there's also a need for things to just be unique, which the address systems that we have don't provide for. So whether you're in the developed world or the developing world, there is still an absolute need right now to have a global simple system. So who uses this or who's, is, who's using this today? A diverse selection of people around the world is the best and most accurate answer. So you've got farmers in the UK who seem to have embraced this throughout the community because it solves a massive challenge in rural areas. There are people in London in new build properties who are, are huge advocates because they have a postcode that is not recognized by the system. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned to you I had that same problem. It took I had moved into a new build. There wasn't a kind of an address registered yet and I was missing all kinds of posts and important stuff because apparently it didn't exist yeah i mean this is this is a a huge problem your postcode simply is not uh, recognized for several months so generally these people with the problems who are our early advocates but you go one step further than that mercedes drivers are now becoming our users because you can get into any new mercedes the new a class is is the featured car and you can speak the three words into the car. And so they are adopting it because they're like, well, this is way easier than twisting the dial and all the things they used to do to put an address in. So you're integrated into new Mercedes. Yeah, that's right. And is that your first kind of big integration with a big brand? With a kind of consumer household name in navigation, yes. But we've had a lot of other ones from e-commerce sites in the Middle East. There's several where you can put a three-word address in and then courier services like Aramex will deliver it to your home. Uh, the iStore in South Africa, if you order an iPhone, you can put a three-word address in there. We have users there. I mean, one of our first uh, government deals was the post service of Mongolia. And that's great because it's it's government. You've got an enormous country there. And I imagine there is not like a normal address system like you and I would recognize. 
There is not. I mean, if you look on Google Maps, you will find some of the streets named. But in terms of a number, which will actually take you anywhere near the house you want to go to, the data just isn't there. This is not Google's fault. It's just a case of that data just doesn't exist. So people, yeah, use landmarks. That's just the only way that you can you can do it. But the government has seen a need and has pushed what three words very hard. Is there not a danger, though, that GPS just keeps getting better and you'll be able to just more and more often be able to just like drop a pin on where you want to go on your little on the little app on your screen be okay there and then that kind of works or works well enough dropping a pin is is amazing in principle because that is just sending the gps coordinates machine to machine and if the world worked like that you certainly would not need what three words i guess the reason i thought about this in the first place is you know i was trying to get like 40 musicians and production crew to just turn up at their gig on time in the music business and as soon as you have a bunch of people you'll find that some of people use one app some people use another some people want to use their car system some people have got a hardware box someone else wants to use the voice activated bit to put in the the destination and a pin is great if everyone's on the same platform, always at the same time. But then it's a case of, oh, where was the pin and what message? You know, you can't remember the pin. Someone in the back seat of the car's got the pin, but the person in the front seat's the one connected to the car. And just seeing the chaos that ensues, trying to get that very simple exchange to work. A pin's a great technical solution, but it just doesn't work for everyday life. Even people who, who profess that sharing a pin is the easiest thing, I'll go to their office and they'll say, here's my address. And when we're back to free text that we enter into things. So I think that whilst technology has provided a solution, it doesn't match up to the practicalities of how all of us actually interact with locations. And is there one thing that's that you really feel like is going to kind of drive people to start using this to or to adopt it? Is it drone delivery where you want it, your package dropped at a certain location in your back garden, or is it just navigation, autonomous driving? I mean, how do you see it unfolding? So the thing that really makes people use What Three Words is being able to use it in the apps that they normally use. So drone delivery is great and will be great, but at the moment it's still a kind of novelty use case. Once we get those integrations, seeing that there are people who religiously will use the NavMe navigation app because it's an offline app in, in some countries, and there are Mercedes drivers. And once you can use it in things you use every day or an e-commerce site that you just kind of use over and over again, those are the ones who then adopt what three words and becomes our, become our evangelists. But it has to become this repeated pattern that you do. I think even people who love what three words know their three word address, to actually get them to being regular users is a huge behavioral change. Yeah, it's thing. kind of you have to, people have to change their chip kind yeah, of a little bit. You have to get into your car and it needs to be normal to say, navigate me to table, cabbage, spoon. That kind of feels a bit bizarre to us. I mean, I think of one of the parallels as people say, you know, what kind of product adoption is this like and I always think of it like when people first put wheels on a suitcase you know it kind of looked logical on one hand very bizarre on the other hand and the person who invented it couldn't even get anyone to stock the wheeled suitcase because people said it was too ridiculous to consider anyone would buy one they said no man would buy one because they would be embarrassed they couldn't hold their luggage is that true? It is absolutely true. Uh, and this is only in the late 70s this was invented. And well, it's really funny you should say that because I've often thought about the wheeled suitcase totally randomly because my parents, when I remember as a kid, you'd travel and they had these 
old tattered suitcase, like old school suitcases, and they had tiny, tiny, tiny wheels on the bottom and like string to kind of pull them along. Not a string, but kind of like a cord or whatever. And it was the most impractical thing of all time. And then you look at wheeled luggage today and it's like, this just makes total sense. Why were people doing this for decades and decades and decades? lugging this thing around that would fall over as soon as you start tugging on it or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. I mean, we had wheels for a long time and suitcases, but it took a very long time <laughs> for someone to go, hang on, I think we could put this and this together. Right. But just seeing how people resist anything which feels weird and new, even if it kind of makes sense, like clearly this is heavy and wheels make it easier, it feels a bit a bit like the same with us. I mean, there'll be people who in, I, mean, I know in the States, you, you might dial 1-800-PIZZA and that's how a phone number is advertised. Yeah, yeah, that feels kind of odd to someone in the UK. All we're doing is doing exactly the same thing, changing GPS coordinates into three words. So th- there's kind of many ways in which this is just incredibly logical based on things we already do. You just need to cement into people's minds that it's okay to use dictionary words for locations and repetition and using it in things that people trust with brands they know making it feel okay is is our path to achieving that right and i was just talking to your colleague before we came in you guys just are opening in saudi arabia yeah we have an office in saudi arabia to supplement the one in uh, mongolia and south africa and is again is that because there's just no kind of recognizable address system or what they have is just not yeah, if you imagine like a um, a Venn diagram of country with non-existent address system and huge boom in e-commerce and ride-hailing services, Saudi Arabia is splat bang in the middle of it. So it's a very easy proposition. I mean, we hardly need to finish the pitch and people have gone, this country needs this, we need this, because people order something, they go onto address line one and they say, call me, my name is Dave here's the phone number, and that's their address, or you might get a sort of near the fifth lamppost. But it is totally chaotic trying to get around Saudi Arabia. So for all of these companies and all of the government services, there's a big need. We've been, we've been there for quite some time now, and, and the rollout is really ramping up later in this summer. So you mentioned uh, trying to corral a bunch of musicians as the kind of genesis. Can you talk about... So how did you end up starting this in the first place? Yeah, I mean, I I have a degree in classical music, so it's not exactly the most logical progression. And I ran a music business for 10 years. We were organizing big kind of pops orchestras for events all over the world. And, and so it, what did you study? What kind of, what do you play? Did you uh, play? I played the piano and the bassoon. So, right. uh, so that's, where I, that's, the, that's where I come from. But it was, I sort of morphed into this person who would put together these very large ensembles to play at these events. But they were always in these hard to find places. So like the back garden of a villa in Italy, which didn't appear on the map, for example. Or we'd be doing something in London in one of these converted warehouses where there was a kind of tiny back entrance. And just years and years of putting on the itinerary, this is the address. And then you stand there at four o'clock. And we actually had to employ someone who's the person you call when you're sort of near enough, but then are convinced you're lost. And then you have to call someone who guides you in. And you end up saying, oh, if you're a TomTom, you must be by the bench. And if you're using Apple Maps, so you're probably by the hedge. And then you 
you just guide all these people in. So as soon as you start dealing with professional musicians en masse, you realise how awkward it is just to get someone to turn up at the right time and the right place. When I thought I'd cracked it, I said, look, we're just going to use the latitude and longitude guys. Just input this eight-digit latitude and eight-digit longitude, problem solved, until truck drivers turn up an hour north of Rome, not an hour south of Rome, because they mixed a four and a five up. And you kind of go okay, there's a reason why consumers don't use this. We surely can make a simplified version. Right. You studied music, but you didn't play music. That's right. So actually, just after just after graduating, I had a bad accident. Uh, I have a chronic sleepwalking disorder. Managed to punch through a window while sleepwalking, which I would not recommend to anyone. Noted. And uh, <laughs> cut eight tendons, a nerve and the artery in my left wrist of which the nerve damage is the one you don't want to do. And so my fourth and fifth finger on my left hand, as you can see, don't, yeah, that's a don't very work. That's a serious scar you've got there, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think you've got a pretty um, direct career decision to make when that happens going, I've relied on these two fingers. So, so you literally graduated and then that happened and then you're like, oh God, this thing I've just studied for for years, now I can't do. Yes, I think it was a month later or so. But um, the one good thing about learning music is it teaches you phenomenal discipline and a whole bunch of other things that you actually when you just think about it that way you just take it with you and you can still be a musician at heart but not play but just all the things you learn from having gone through the rigor of that when you're growing up I guess maybe that's why I just thought straight away I think I was 22 at the time I'm just going to start a business doing this so you know and it's led me to doing this so in a way I kind of look back at that accident and think that was a pretty good turning point in my life I just maybe didn't know it right then (laughs) yeah yeah you have all of these kind of mishaps trying to corral a bunch of musicians into one place I don't know two words or four words or why why was it Ah, I see. How did you arrive at just, you know, this is the way that this makes the most sense? I would have loved to use two words or even one word. It's all about the number of combinations you get. So if you use two words, you can name an area about the size of Hawaii in three meter squares. That's all. So In terms of the combinations you can make. Exactly. So there you would get, let's, let's say it's 40,000 words, uh, you'd get something like 1.6 billion combinations, whereas you actually need 57 trillion. So that was basically the matter. Because it's also a function of the kind of words you're going to use, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you want to use any kind of short word list, you want to use the fewest number of words. Right? So had we had to have used four words, that would have been a problem. Because I think as soon as it starts to become table, cabbage, sponge, crayon, you're going, what was the first word again? And we're back at latitude and longitude, which is impossible. So the world is actually very conveniently sized, is the best way I could put it. If, if it was a bit bigger, we would have struggled to do three words. So um, once we had the idea, there was this kind of furious scribbling down, back of an envelope style, <laughs> to cube root 57 trillion, and, and it kind of all worked out. But what we do in other languages, because it's not just an English language system we do 26 languages we only cover the oceans in english so once you only have to cover the land on earth you only need twenty-five thousand words uh, uh. which we do in other languages so but but the challenge always with a system like this is let's make it as simple as possible and so if you've got three words that people can associate with in their language so you can go anywhere in the world so in chile you could still use the german version or polish version or french version we feel that is how to make this feel familiar to people wherever they are in the world. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, please. 
iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And so when did you actually start the company? So we started the company 2013, so five years ago. Was it a difficult pitch to investors? I mean, do you say, yeah, okay, here we are at 65 Alfred Road, but in the future we're going to call this filled count soap? Yeah, but it always depends who you talk to with us um, because you'll get a pretty binary action normally. And so there's a lot of people who just on the strength of the idea said, I really like this and I can see how this can work. But as you say, there's a lot of people who went, well, this is slightly delusional and you guys must be mad if you think this is going to get adopted. To be honest, five years on, if people haven't heard of us, we get the same initial set of reactions. But what you can then say now is, you can put it into your Mercedes and people go "Uh uh-huh and then we say oh actually the UN uses it for disaster relief work these governments have adopted it and that is a big deal when people go well because if the if there's I don't know tsunami or an earthquake and you can say where we need aid at this three basically 10 foot by 10 foot area and you can be that specific I imagine that's quite important it's hugely important and at that point in time If it's a case of saying table, chair, spoon, or 16 numbers that someone's going to find difficult, however bizarre table, chair, spoon is, it just doesn't matter. It's just a much simpler way and much more error-free way of getting things to where you want to get them. So that problem totally goes, and that's that's why the UN, Red Cross, and other people are, are using the system. But I think to your question, it just the validation that, that these organizations, people have heard of and companies using it, totally transforms then how people see this if they were in the bucket of this is kind of weird they are then in the in the mindset of okay maybe we should be thinking about this if all of these people think this is a good idea so i think we're just moving people along the the conveyor belt of crazy slightly wacky but interesting and cool to really useful can use it in lots of places and i actually think this is going to be a system history is littered with really good ideas that didn't make it And it seems to me that a lot of your challenge would be getting people to adopt it and to kind of start using it and to kind of effectively to normalize it and get the word out. 
how do you do that? Is it just kind of step by step? Okay, now we have Mercedes, or is it Amazon? And once you have Amazon, for example, then that would change the game, I would imagine, or something like that. Certainly, once once we get more of these really really big consumer brands. It changes the game, but the ones we have already are doing that. But I think the way you approach it as a company is different because we don't, you know, when I was working in the music business, we had something to sell. Do you want a band? I will sell you this band for this price and we give you an immediate value. With What Three Words, we don't have a sales team as such. We have a selection of people all over the world who will say to a company, do you want to be part of changing the way the world thinks about location? Do you want to jump on this train with us? and join the mission it's a totally different pitch and there's of course huge benefit for companies who want to be at the forefront of that if you're making a voice assistant you want to be one of the first people who put a really simple unique address system into voice assistants because it's a pain point but you just don't think of it in the same way as a product that you're selling when it's like is it cheaper and better than what you were using last week that's not what we're about this is about doing whatever we can to bring people on that journey so evocative film is something we spend a long time on showing the value and the use cases for somebody who's never received mail before who can now receive mail what about you know we have a a bank in mongolia who have now a a slot for the three-word address on the credit card application form and they just simply weren't able to deliver cards to some people in the country because um, they didn't have an address but now they do so just bringing to life the tangible benefits that this brings is a huge part of getting businesses and organizations on board it's just a very different way of running a company because you're encouraging people to adopt a standard not just selling a product right and how much money have you guys raised just over 50 million dollars five zero five zero wow how do you make money we license the conversion of three-word addresses to latitude and longitude, which is exactly the same as how addresses actually make money today. It's this kind of hidden business that people don't know about. It. It's actually called geocoding. Who um, owns that, though? Who are you dis- kind of, quote-unquote, disrupting? Is there, like, a um, big address? <laughs> you know, big A, big, big B, big A? Yeah, yes is the answer to that question. So a lot of countries have a national organization that owns the data of this address is at these coordinates. So when you order a taxi on an app, you may not think twice about it, but you put the address in. That taxi is paying probably an aggregator of address data to go, hey, what are the coordinates? And that company is then paying probably the national service for addresses in that country to get the coordinates as well so we're disrupting all of these companies behind the scenes which are working in address data so not maps not navigation this is not what we do and we're not competing with anyone in that sector it's the people who have the address data that we are i guess disrupting to use that term but is that usually governments or like kind of states that own that data usually governments and states but Back to what we were saying earlier, this data is often updated very poorly. So if if you do it the old way, someone builds a house, somebody from the government has to go there and say, this is a house, we're going to say this is the number, and maybe this is the postcode. And this whole system just seems so outdated and very manual. I mean, you look at things like M-Pesa in Kenya, they just sort of leapfrogged over the way that people were doing banking and payments and just said, well, here's something that just works 
today everywhere right. um, and simplifies. I think that's the way we think of it. If you, if you have to do government-style address updating, where are the coordinates? Oh, they're inaccurate. We're we just saying, look, we're just global and here today. So and just going back to the business model, so when I call an Uber and I say I'm going to this address, when I put that in, whomever owns that address, maybe it's, I don't know, the state of California or the London Borough of Islington or whatever, they will make a cut, like a, a couple pence or something? A couple, p- How's it work? That's basically it. I mean, I can't comment on that exact deal as to, yeah, yeah. to what Uber or anyone else uses, but the general principle is that they will be paying, absolutely, when you type in that address to get the coordinates back. That is a transaction. And someone pays someone who pays someone who's paid someone who owns that data. A lot of money changes hands. I mean, you're talking about trillions of these kind of transactions think about all the times in a day that we just punch in an address into some kind of online form or search bar. And is that basically the you know, the primary way you, you foresee making money is basically inserting yourself in that basically yeah. building a better mousetrap? I mean, that is a that is a huge global business that has just done it a certain way ever since um, we started putting addresses into computers and then smartphones. So I don't think we need to be overly imaginative to think of other ways of making money. There's just a big way that this happens and if someone wants to go somewhere and you get a really accurate set of coordinates we're providing value in that and that's that's our model and how many people are here now because you're in this new in these new offices you got boxes everywhere you guys have just moved in it looks like uh, yes so we're at the top floor here at filled count soap and there are 70 of us here <laughs> uh very proudly uh very nice to all be in in one room finally what keeps you up at night? Apart from my chronic sleepwalking disorder. Yeah, um, well, hopefully you're not near any glass. <laughs> yeah, that, that I've improved on. I think the thing we think about continually, I mean, it's great to think, well, let's just get 7 billion people using a new system and saying cabbage, sponge, tomato. But how do you get there when you're only 70 people in West London? It's all of the decisions about what country do we go to next. Because as soon as we meet someone, they go, oh, you know, you must go to, you must come to Peru because we've got a huge problem there. And then we think, oh, great, well, there's a problem and we've got a solution. So you get on the plane to Peru. And it's just ridiculous prioritization going, how can we be efficient about the way that we try to change you know, just one country at a time? Let's not get too ambitious on the notion that someone tells someone who tells someone we need to build ecosystems within countries so that you can use the app you can expect that the someone you're talking to will know what what three words is will give you a three-word address and then if you order a pizza to some new shoes to getting in a taxi all of those services you'll just expect that they'll they will support what three words so that is the focus is how do we get those ecosystems built in a series of countries in the timescale that we need to get them done in. There's certainly no, we have no issues in in people saying that this is a great idea that they want to see succeed, but making all of the um, economics work in the time we have is, is the tough bit. But right. it's, um, actually this language curation process that we go through involves getting 40 professional linguists to review every single word in that country's in that language's dictionary so that sounds terrible yeah it's it's (laughs) it's a long process and and i'll say when we started out and of course you know i i was the one doing a lot of the english word list because we didn't have resources i would not recommend it to everyone you you think it's an interesting thing but after about 50 words you start going i was gonna say like uh, starting out 
if it's you literally going page by page through the dictionary, you must have at some point been like, this is just a ridiculous idea. This is no way I'm going to do this. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, when I did it, I was actually just split up with my girlfriend at the time. I was living at my friend's house and I was... Um, oh, this just gets worse and worse. Yeah. I was on the sofa every night and, and I think they were looking at me just kind of going, what is Chris doing? And I just sat there with Microsoft Excel open, a list of words... I would just be giving them a score. And I did this for about three hours a night as everyone else was doing other things. And it was certainly kind of six dark months that I just kind of sat there with this dictionary. And as you say, you're just sitting there or some days you're like, what am I doing? Just seeing the words. If I was your friend, I would probably like have an intervention. Yeah. So you broke up with your girlfriend, you're just sitting reading the dictionary for three hours a day. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And just at the end of that six month period, when I got to the really long words, which were all kind of just like complex medical terms, I just definitely felt like I was going in some way slightly mad. But, <laughs> but I knew it was important that we had a good, sensible word list. And I'm pleased and fortunate that I kind of just didn't lose sight of the reason right. for doing it. But definitely now, the fact that that job is split between 40 people, I think suits them and us better yeah. uh, just for people's sanity. <laughs> and is there a split between the developed world where, you know, I have an address, you have an address, everybody understands the system that works, to the developing world where, I think I mentioned to you before when I was... I used to cover energy and natural resources and you'd go to some parts of Africa and it is literally past the third tree next to the second hut and that's the address. Mm -hmm. Is it going to places like that, which obviously need it more, but maybe it's monetizing is less clear? Oh, I see. We do it really around language. So let's take French as an example. You've got French spoken in France and then you've also got French spoken in Côte d'Ivoire and Congo and Gabon and many other countries in Africa. So we prioritize it purely by where's the highest proportion of, of French speakers. So if you are in Abidjan in Côte d'Ivoire or in France, you're going to have good quality French words. And if you are in uh, Norway, which is a you know very prosperous country, but they don't have many French speakers, we'll, we'll put pretty long, awkward French words. So it's totally done by looking and going, where is someone likely to use this? in what language, and therefore let's give them as good as an experience as possible. Right. Is there a word length limit for you, say in English? I, I'm not exactly sure what the English one is, but I think, yeah, in the Antarctic, you'll find the odd sort of dodecahedron-style word knocking around. But one thing I, I guess we've noticed, since, since every language we do, we don't allow any overlap with words in other languages, if, if it happens. So if cafe's in the English version, it doesn't appear in the French version, ah. if we did English first. What it does mean that is over time, the words get very slightly longer because because I guess all the short words have gone. Right, um, right. It doesn't affect it as badly as you might think, but I think in, in languages like Finnish, that almost pride themselves on having these incredibly long words. You show somebody the Finnish version and, and how it looks in Indonesia where there are not many Finns, but they seem to get more excited than anything about having a sort of series of 16-character words to engage with. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess at least... Voice recognition will be the friend of the Finns instead of having to type in 48 characters plus. But it, it, it's one of those things that once you have a play around on the map, you know, you find your own three-word address, you find where you went on holiday, and you can kind of just learn how it all works. If, if, you, if you're into words, there's uh, plenty of uh, interesting uh, fun to be had by clicking around the map. Yeah. Great. Well, I think those are all my questions, and I know you've got some unpacking to do. 
little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks, man. Right, cheers. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank Chris for taking the time to sit down. We kind of did it last minute uh, while I was in London. So I appreciate uh, him making the time. And I'm, I'm curious, what do you think? Do you think in 10, 20 years time we'll have done away with numbers and street names and just have all converted to table chair spoon or some such? I don't know. It's a big ask. It's a big ask, but obviously he's going to try. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. If you want to read what I'm doing this weekend, you can find me in the newspaper, the Sunday Times. I'm doing a piece on social media influencers, which you may find interesting. So do check that out. I'm also on Twitter at Danny Fortson. You can find me on email at danny.fortson co.uk and of course online all my stuff appears on thetimes.co.uk until next week thanks very much bye-bye as you're listening to me daisy apple's iphone disassembly robot is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.